This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The U.S. House of Representatives last Friday passed H.R. 5. Supporters call it the Equality Act. But should the bill become law, its impact will be anything but equal, especially for people of traditional values. So what's in the bill, and why is it so badly misnamed? That's what attorney Greg Baylor of Alliance Defending Freedom and I discuss on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. According to the producers of the pro-life movie Unplanned, Canadian movie theaters have banned the film from theaters. During a news conference in Ottawa, producer Lisa Wheeler said this means that they have effectively been blocked from distributing the film in Canada. Based on the pro-life conversion of former Planned Parenthood director Abby Johnson, the film's done well in the United States, surpassing expectations to earn about $18 million and to change hearts and minds about abortion. This is a powerful and eye-opening film that's been piercing through the abortion narrative in the United States, said National Campus Life Network on a Citizen Go petition for the movie. Unplanned has actively moved individuals to the pro-life perspective, most notably in the first two weeks of the movie's release, 94 Planned Parenthood workers contacted Abby Johnson's organization, and then there were none. According to Chuck Konzelman, writer, producer, director of the film, the two largest film distributors in Canada are citing content as the reason for banning the film rather than a lack of consumer demand. He explained that every Canadian distributor that they approached regarding the film rejected it. Alabama Public Television decided not to air an Arthur episode depicting same-sex marriage because officials say they believed it would violate parents' trust. The animated children's TV show launched its 22nd season with Mr. Ratburn and the Special Someone on May the 13th. This was where Arthur's third grade teacher, Mr. Ratburn, gets married to a male character in the episode. This isn't the first time that Alabama Public Television did not air an episode on the part of Arthur franchise over content matter. Alabama Public Television decided not to show an episode where Arthur's friend Buster visited several children with two mothers in 2005. Texas Republican-controlled House of Representatives voted on Monday to pass a Save Chick-fil-A bill. The Save Chick-fil-A bill does not allow government to take any adverse action against any contractor, individual, or business because of religious beliefs. The San Antonio City Council decided in March to ban Chick-fil-A from the city's airport because of the restaurant chain's history of support for the biblical definition of marriage as being one man and one woman. Yesterday, Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz announced that he's looking into potential unconstitutional animus and discrimination by Yale Law School against Christian students and organizations. Cruz has sent two letters to Yale regarding his concern that the school's targeting traditional Christian values and sexual ethics. Monday's letter requests documents pertaining to Yale's public interest funding decisions, policies, and practices. In particular, the senator asks for information on how much public interest funding has been provided to abortion activists and other liberal groups, such as Planned Parenthood, compared to conservative organizations like the Heritage Foundation and the Beckett Fund. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi. 
I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Usted está escuchando el resumen de noticias Mundo Luterano. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Mr. Greg Baylor. He's senior counsel with the Alliance Defending Freedom. And specifically, we are going to be talking about a piece of legislation that just passed the House of Representatives that has an enormous impact on anyone who values religious freedom. It's called, rather ironically, the Equality Act. Mr. Baylor, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you, Kip. Sir, the uh, U.S. House of Representatives passed at, uh, with a relatively large uh, uh, margin, I believe, 236 to 173, this so-called Equality Act. Now, as I read this thing, it says that the legislation—actually, I'm quoting from one of your uh, colleagues, Christian Wagoner—says that the legislation would be used to set back protections for women on the playing field, at work, and in restrooms, locker rooms for decades, as well as inhibit the ability of Americans to live consistently with their beliefs. One thing in particular that really disturbed me about the law, and I'm looking at it right now, in its exact words, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title or provide a basis for challenging the application and enforcement of the covered title. So are we talking about equality or persecution here? Well, we're certainly not talking about equality. The Equality Act is certainly one of the worst misnamed pieces of legislation that we've seen in a long time. You're right to focus on the religious liberty threats that it proposes. What it does is that it adds sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classifications in a whole host of federal anti-discrimination laws. The problem with that is that Americans disagree about same-sex marriage, about the morality of homosexual behavior, and about gender identity. And what the Equality Act does is that it takes sides in this disagreement and punishes without remorse those who are taking the allegedly wrong perspective. Give me a couple of examples of that. The Equality Act changes Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which outlaws discrimination in the employment setting. It adds sexual orientation and gender identity and has absolutely no exemption whatsoever for anyone who might have a religious objection to, for example, putting sex reassignment surgery or puberty blockers in their health plans, or who might have an objection to using preferred pronouns. No objection whatsoever for people of faith, and no exemption whatsoever for religious organizations. This is a departure from what we've seen in the past, where proponents of LGBT legislation have acknowledged 
that it's appropriate to exempt religious organizations, and they haven't done that. And then they did one more thing to add even more insult to injury, and and you pointed that out. They take away the primary defense that people of faith have from the federal government's coercion in matters of religious liberty. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act was designed to protect people in precisely like the situations like the ones that are created by the Equality Act. And the drafters of the Equality Act and its supporters, mostly Democrats, have said, we're not going to allow you to defend yourselves with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. So this really is the, the most onerous assault on religious freedom we've seen in a long time, perhaps, in our nation's history. Well, I noticed that uh, Democratic Representative Jerry Nadler has said that religion is no excuse for discrimination when it comes to sexual orientation or gender identity. One of the things I'm curious about, uh, would it be that churches now would be forced to hire transsexuals, bisexuals, homosexuals, or allow men access to female uh, restrooms? For example, every church has got a restroom. What about providing weddings? Would we be forced to conduct same-sex marriages? If this law passes? Yeah, the the Equality Act uh, does apply to churches and religious organizations, again, without exemption, and again, without giving them folks an ability to resort to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. In the employment setting, it doesn't provide any ability or freedom for churches to consider homosexuality or transgender identity in any of their employment decisions, including the pastors. Now, that said, it's pretty clear that the Constitution protects a church's relationship with a pastor, but it's not so clear the extent to which the Constitution protects a church's relationships with other employees. And many churches and religious organizations want all of their employees, and rightly so, both to share their beliefs, but also to share their religious commitments and, and moral commitments about sexual behavior and about gender. And so the Equality Act creates a huge threat to churches who believe in the traditional understanding of marriage, who believe in the traditional understanding of sexual morality, and believe in the traditional understanding of the distinction between the sexes. The other thing is that the Equality Act adds sexual orientation and gender identity to a different part of the Civil Rights Act, Title II, which governs places of public accommodation. Now, before the Equality Act, there was no debate that churches simply were not places of public accommodation. It was a relatively narrow definition. What the Equality Act does, in addition to to adding sexual orientation and gender identity, it dramatically expands the definition of what counts as a place of public accommodation. And you can imagine that certain applications of that will reach churches. I, I don't think that the Equality Act will be required them require churches to perform same-sex weddings if they object to that. But there are lots of other functions that the church might perform, you know, that, that could be subject to this law. And you talked about restrooms and other private spaces separated by sex. Yes, I do believe that the Equality Act, certainly in the employment setting, would require churches and other religious organizations to open up uh, sex-separated spaces, spaces that are separated for reasons of privacy and safety, to, say, men who identify as women who want access to facilities set aside for women. So it really has a tremendous impact uh, on a lot of folks, including churches and religious organizations. Another aspect of the uh, law that, uh, again, fortunately just a bill right now, that I find very disturbing, and again, I'm going to quote directly from the bill, says, a reference in this title to an establishment 
shall be construed to include an individual whose operations affect commerce and who is a provider of a good service or program and shall not be construed to be limited to a physical facility or place. That opens a whole can of worms. Yeah, this goes back to what I was saying about how they've dramatically expanded uh, the scope of who is covered by the ban on discrimination in Title II of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which again uh, forbids discrimination in places of public accommodation. The definition is so broad, it basically says any establishment provides a good service or a program. Well, <laughs> what, what, what establishments don't provide a good service or a program? Now, there is some language in the Civil Rights Act, you know, that was written back in 1964 that offers some hope and some protection despite the Equality Act's potent proposed amendments to it. It acknowledges that places that are sort of private clubs or distinctly private in nature are not subject to the law. And that would still be true after the Equality Act. But those words are, like a lot of words in statutes, somewhat vague and open to interpretation. And we're just not sure how the courts would interpret that language in deciding whether or not a particular establishment is a place of public accommodation and thus bound by the onerous requirements of the proposed Equality Act. Well, for example, our church, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, our churches are open to anyone. We welcome anyone to come and, and listen and worship with us. Does this mean that we are suddenly a public, uh, an open facility here, and we have to open up to, for example, as I mentioned, the restrooms that every church has? Well, it's certainly a concern, you know, particularly if you're holding events that are, are more generally open to the public than your, than your worship service. I know your worship services are open to the public, but maybe an event that's, you know, an outreach to the community or a spaghetti dinner or some kind of event at the church, um, I think that people who want to interpret the Equality Act in an aggressive manner would say, well, look, you're holding a public event, you're a place of public accommodation. Not, and this isn't so much about excluding people who experience gender dysphoria or same-sex attracted. It's, it's other things like, you know, kind of the bathroom issue that you mentioned. And I am concerned that the Equality Act would be used, if it becomes law, to, you know, force access by men who identify as women to spaces set aside for women for reasons of privacy and safety. Well, I was discussing uh, with a pastor this uh, past week a concern that he had. He has had parishioners come to him who have had sexual issues, sexual uh, you know, whether the, the confusion as to what the, what they are. And he has counseling sessions that says, you know, you, there are two sexes, you're a man or a woman, and you need to pray on it and we'll, we'll establish this. But as I read this, and again, as the pastor himself was saying, he was concerned that this this type of counseling that he does, a direct parishioner to uh, to a pastor relationship, a conference, could now possibly be illegal. Well, I hope I hope that the Equality Act, as bad as it is, would not be interpreted in such a fashion. I don't think it's entirely impossible. I think it's. I do think it's unlikely, though. I think especially if it's a pastor talking with uh, someone who's a, a regular attender or a member of the church community, a, a member of the congregation, that the Equality Act probably would not uh, reach that situation. One thing, though, that does give me cause for concern is when the Equality Act defines who counts as a place of public accommodation, they give a list, a non-exclusive list of examples and when you think places of public accommodation, you think businesses where people come in and they purchase a service or a good, 
and, and you know, kind of a commercial for-profit transaction. But the drafters, when they inclu- when they wrote this non-exclusive list of examples, they included a couple of things that clearly are not like that. That are nonprofits that do provide their services free of charge. They list food banks and they list shelters. So again, I I think the scenario you described, it's unlikely that the Equality Act would be interpreted to reach that, but I do have some cause for concern given the way that the drafters wrote the language of the proposed Equality Act. Another one that I think is very clearly outlined in the Equality Act is its impact on faith-based adoption agencies. Certain agencies like the Lutherans, Catholics, Jewish organizations have a specific ruling on how they can adopt and how they can adopt out and foster children. Now, we've seen a number of cities and states right now who have actually outlawed that practice. And it seems to me, reading this uh, bill, that this would make it a national law and would completely outlaw all faith-based agencies that refuse to violate their own tenets concerning uh, concerning uh, same-sex marriage, concerning uh, adopting uh, people to unmarried couples, things like that. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's what the Equality Act, one of the things that it's designed for, which is to replicate the situations that we've seen in some jurisdictions like, uh, like uh, Illinois and the District of Columbia and other places who are just, just cannot stand the idea of a faith-based adoption agency placing children with a mom and a dad because they think that's what's best and because that's what's consistent with their religious convictions. There are a couple of ways that this could happen. One is via the place of public accommodation route that we talked about before. The idea would be that, you know, these foster placement and adoption placement agencies are performing a a function, kind of a public function. They're interacting with the public, and therefore, you know, they're covered by that part of the law. But the other piece of the law that we haven't talked about yet, which I think is very significant, is the Equality Act also amends Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I hate to get too much into the weeds, but Title VI is an incredibly important tool by which the federal government exerts its will over the country. Um, Title VI adds a non-discrimination string on all federal financial assistance, so it's a condition on receiving money. And, of course, a lot of folks involved in the child service arena do receive some form of federal financial assistance. So even if they're not places of public accommodation, they would be subject to it because they get money from the federal government. And that will put them to the choice whether they want to continue you know, having the resources to do their, to do their, uh, their life-saving work or to violate their consciences. Last thing I'll say about this, it's, it's really interesting that the, the Equality Act drafters uh, focused in on this adoption agency issue. This is the third time the Equality Act has been introduced in Congress. And one of the diff- it's not, it's, and this version in this Congress is not that much different from the previous versions, but one of the main differences is that the drafters for this version in this Congress added to their findings of fact at the beginning of the bill talking about how these faith-based adoption agencies are doing these terrible things by placing kids with a mom and a dad and placing kids consistent with their own religious convictions. So there is absolutely no doubt at all that the Equality Act is targeting and is aimed at and wants to put out of business faith-based adoption providers who, who won't change their beliefs and practices. Well, another thing that uh, concerns me is that the Lutheran Church, the Missouri Synod, actually has a university system, Concordia University, and we have, I believe, nine separate campuses. Now, we impose 
certain restrictions on the students and the faculty who go there. They have to adhere to Lutheran beliefs and, and uh, follow certain Lutheran doctrines. For example, just in, in housing, you know, yeah, well, well, we have dormitories, we house our people, not just in the, the universities, but also in our seminaries. And we have rules on that. You know, for example, no cohabitation. Would this be endangered? Well, I, I, I think that your, your, the ability of Concord, the Concordia System schools to participate in federal uh, student aid is very much in jeopardy. You know, if your schools have policies about student behavior, they can't engage in homosexual activity, they're required to use private facilities consistent with their biological sex rather than their gender identity, if they get money from the federal government, which I'm sure they do, because almost every institution in the country does via student aid, they would not be allowed to do that. They would also be required to allow men who identify as women to play on their sports teams. They would be required to include sex reassignment surgery in their health plans. But the key thing would be, according to the Equality Act, if you have one of these allegedly discriminatory policies, that means you can't get student aid, that students who are eligible for student aid, whether Pell Grants or guaranteed student loans, would not be able to direct their aid towards places like Concordia. And there are hundreds of institutions out there right now that have faith-based rules regarding homosexual behavior, that are unwilling to do everything that the transgender activists demand, and their funding is at risk under the proposed Equality Act. So you're quite right to, to raise the situation of educational institutions. As you pointed out, the Equality Act has been introduced a number of other times. I think this is the third time it's been introduced into the House. But what we have here is they are, we have seen every uh, member of the Democrat Party and eight members of the Republicans who voted in favor of that. And they are close to a supermajority. I think it's 236 votes right now. 240 would be required for a supermajority. That, of course, would come into play if ever it is uh, vetoed by the uh, by the White House. However, it's still got to go into the Senate. I think its possibilities of passing are much less in the Senate. Do we, have we heard any uh, feedback yet from them on how that's going to go? Yeah, we're pretty confident that this bill is going nowhere in the Senate. That's what it did uh, the last time it was introduced uh, in the Senate in the last Congress. You know, when a particular party controls a, a chamber, they get to decide what even moves forward. So in the Senate, the Equality Act was introduced by most, by really every Democrat, well, all but one Democrat and then one Republican, introduced in the Senate at the same time the version of the Equality Act was introduced in the House. And it was referred to the Committee on the Judiciary, which is uh, chaired by Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. And he has not scheduled a hearing, or which is usually the first step in the whole process that leads to the bill being on the floor and there being a roll call vote. And we, everything we hear consistently all along is that he won't hold a hearing and that the bill won't in some other fashion get to the floor. So I think, you know, we should not, re not rest easy, certainly, given the magnitude of the threat that the Equality Act poses. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to become law in this Congress, but obviously we need to, you know, watch what happens in future Congresses, because as you well know, the composition of these bodies tends to change. Not only that, the supporters of the Equality Act seem to be coming back again and again and again, and it looks like they're gaining a little bit of strength. Yeah, they, you know, one of the one of the reasons the vote was so lopsided is because just the fact of the matter is there are so many more Democrats in the House than there are Republicans after the last election, which of course you know just replaced a lot of Republicans with with a lot of Democrats. 
You know, but I really think we need to be concerned about senators, and senators need to be deterred and persuaded if they're Republicans from even thinking about supporting the Equality Act. It's so damaging to the common good and to religious liberty that I would hope they wouldn't consider it, but they need to hear from their constituents on that. Sir, we're just about out of time. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on this? Well, I, I think I think we need to understand in addition to the impact on religious liberty, the impact on women and and on the common good, it would really destroy opportunities for women that have been struggled for for so long. It would obliterate Title IX. It would obliterate women's sports. It would essentially eliminate the category of women or female as a coherent legal category. And all this has really terrible consequences for women. They're going to be the ones that are going to suffer more when men who identify as women are given access to athletics or given access to sex-separated spaces, separated for privacy and safety reasons. And finally, the Equality Act, I think, is terrible for people who are suffering from gender dysphoria, particularly children. Right now, we're increasingly embracing this course of so-called treatment under which young children as early as four, five, six are if they just express a thought that they might be the opposite sex, that they're rushed into what they call social transitioning, where they get a new name and new pronouns and they present differently and they dress differently. And then they start get you know, then the, the course of action is to administer really dangerous puberty blocking drugs to kids as young as 10 or 11 years old. And then the next sequence, the next event in the sequence would be to administer puberty blocking hormones as they get, administer cross sex hormones rather as they get a little bit older. And then uh, finally, uh, sex reassignment surgery. And what we hear from the supporters of this is like, well, all of this is necessary to prevent people with gender dysphoria from committing suicide. And it is true that there's a tragically high rate of suicide among people who have gender dysphoria. But the problem is none of these measures seem to help. There's a study from Sweden that shows that adults who've gone through the whole process, their suicide rate is 19, 19 times higher than the general population. And those are the folks who've done everything that you're allegedly supposed to do in response to gender dysphoria. So if we as believers have compassion for people who are experiencing gender dysphoria, one of the things we don't want to do is to support the Equality Act. Mr. Baylor, I want to thank you very much for taking time to be on the program and to discuss this very important issue, and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on it and see where it goes from here. Very good. Great to be with you, Kip. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.